Well, over the last few months, as we have been praying and planning and preparing for this weekend, uh, Fred Brown has often brought our leadership team back to one central theme, friendship. He even spoke of friendship earlier today in telling a story uh, at, during our breakfast time. And, and he has meditated and prayed and posted about making new friends for God's kingdom as we go about all our activities, not only this weekend, but more importantly, all the time that is to come. And I think this idea of kingdom friendships resonates with us because we struggle to stay afloat in the hustle and bustle of Northern Virginia life. We, we often struggle to create space in our hearts and on our calendars and in our two full priority lists for true friendships. And I know that's something that I struggle with just like many of you. And as I thought about this idea of kingdom friendship, uh, I realized that, you know, this is actually the perfect way to wrap up our, our summer series through Colossians, that Paul's concluding verses in his letter to the Colossian church were perfect to reflect on this weekend's missionary endeavor and, and to reflect on the days that are to come. Our passage this morning is Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Paul writes, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, Concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea, in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Damas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. It is my hope and prayer that Paul's words in this letter will convince all of us that we each need kingdom friends. Not just friends, but kingdom friends. It's tempting for us to picture Paul as this lone superhero of the gospel flying around and, and laboring for God's kingdom in all these strange places that are hard to pronounce. And yet the biblical record is quite clear. Paul, who could easily seem to us like the most independent, autonomous, bold, self-assured, and strong-willed apostle, is never a solo act. Just consider this letter and Paul's list of friends during his time of imprisonment. Tychicus, beloved brother, faithful minister, and faithful servant. 
Onesimus, a runaway slave who has been turned faithful and beloved brother. Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner. Mark, the gospel writer. Justice, who's a comforter during a brutal imprisonment. Epaphras, the hard-laboring prayer warrior and minister. Luke, the beloved physician and scripture writer. And Damas, who would sadly later abandon Paul. These verses testify to the importance and the impact of a team of kingdom friends using their different skills and gifts and talents and passions and callings to support one another and advance the gospel and God's kingdom. Here in these closing words of the letter that we might sometimes be tempted to skim over as we're reading, we see mutual support under very difficult circumstances. We see different ministry roles working together. Some of them are pastors, some are laypersons. There are writers, there are doctors and servants and slaves, and they, they all working together changed the world. That should be an encouragement to us. The biblical example is clear. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity that really has a, a meaningful impact for the kingdom of God. There is none. And this is a truth that I think tends to offend our 2019 ultra-individualistic American uh, sensibilities, right? Because we want to do it our own way, even our own Christianity our way. We want to be able to do it on our own. But whether we like it or not, it is the truth. There is no effective Christianity outside of kingdom relationships, outside of the church, the place where where people gather to work and worship God, whether it's a, a dedicated building or whether it's a home, as Paul mentions in the letter. So whether we realize it or not, we each have a personal need for kingdom friends. So even as we need to be cultivating friendships outside of the church, we talked about that last Sunday in the, in the message, and we're certainly hoping to cultivate friendships like that this weekend, we also need to be cultivating, each of us, some deep kingdom friendships. This is both for our benefit and for the advancement of the kingdom, and we're going to talk about both of these aspects this morning. The kind of kingdom friendships that supported Paul in a very difficult season, not only supported him, but helped him be effective during a very difficult season, can also have the same impact on us in our lives, supporting and encouraging us in kingdom work. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 describes the importance of these deep kingdom relationships. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as, in the ha as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, the purpose of kingdom friendship is to stir one another up. right? To encourage and challenge each other to greater love and good works. We spend time with kingdom friends to encourage each other in this dark and, and difficult time in which we are laboring together for God's kingdom. And it is my hope that this weekend, for those who have been out there laboring, right, that as you have been laboring alongside one another, and I truly don't want anyone laboring alone this weekend, as you've been laboring alongside one another, I hope you're getting to know some new people. And I'm hoping and praying that you will grow some new kingdom friendships 
that will continue to deepen in the days to come. I would encourage you to go and meet your new friends outside of this place sometime in the next few days. Right? Get coffee or enjoy a meal or, or take a walk through the neighborhood and, and encourage and challenge one another to take what you did this weekend and make it a way of life, make it a regular part of your lives. Not that you have to do stuff like this every weekend, but it's a regular part of your lives together. Let God knit your friendship together and use your friendship to draw closer to Him. But what does this mean, right? What is kingdom friendship? What do I mean by it? And what distinguishes a kingdom friendship from just a regular friendship? All right, if I'm friends with another Christian, does that mean we have a kingdom friendship? No. I do not believe that that is automatically the case. And so what I want to do is use today's passage to highlight six key marks of kingdom friendships. And I'm not going to say this is an exhaustive list of all the qualities of a kingdom friendship. I believe there are other qualities and marks of kingdom friendship. But there are six qualities that in this letter are being modeled by Paul and his team of kingdom friends. And I think we can learn from these marks and, and we can use them as a helpful tool for evaluating whether our current friendships are kingdom friendships. And if our current friendships are not kingdom friendships, and my prayer is that this will spur us to deepen those friendships and transform them from a, a friendship to a kingdom friendship. So if our friendships don't have any of these six marks, they're probably not kingdom friendships. And if they only have one or two of the marks, then I think then the challenge and the invitation and the calling is to, to take those friendships deeper until they take on more and more of these characteristics. So the first mark is that kingdom friends share kingdom stories and encouraging testimonies. This is what Paul highlights in verses 7 through 9. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who's one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. See, Paul is sending his, his new and unknown Colossian friends. He's never been there. He doesn't know the people there, but, but he is sending them two of his current kingdom friends. Tychicus and Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave from Colossae. And they're going to tell kingdom stories about the work of Paul's team. They're going to report about everything, and the purpose of it is to encourage the believers, to encourage their hearts about God's work in the world. So kingdom friends encourage and challenges, challenge us by, by sharing their stories and sharing the stories that they have seen and heard in order to build us up and encourage our work. And the reason is because kingdom work is hard, isn't it? Right? I see a lot of you and you're nodding off, and for once I'm okay with that. Because kingdom work is hard. That's why we're sharing testimonies every time we're getting together. Right? Because, because we need to encourage those who are laboring, sometimes without visible fruit, to realize that God is very much on the move right here. We need to share kingdom stories with kingdom friends because kingdom work is hard and, and people don't always appreciate it. And it may never bear visible fruit or, or we may suffer for it socially or financially or politically or relationally or physically. 
And so kingdom friends have spiritual conversations like Paul sent Tychicus and Onesimus to go and have. And yeah, we can still talk about sports, the weather, kids, and grandkids. That's fine. But, but kingdom friendships also have kingdom conversations that include kingdom stories to challenge and encourage us to do kingdom work. Second, kingdom friends forgive and reconcile their differences. In verses 10 and 11, Paul speaks of Mark, the gospel writer. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, they have been a comfort to me. Now, let me give you a little history on this relationship. In Acts chapter 13, Mark flaked out on a mission trip with Paul. And afterwards, when Mark's cousin Barnabas said, hey, Paul, let's bring Mark with us on a different mission trip, Mark wasn't going to have any of it. I mean, Paul wasn't going to have any of it. He and Barnabas got in such a sharp dispute over whether or not to bring Mark along that eventually they decided they needed to split up. They went their separate ways in Acts chapter 15. Right? Paul and Barnabas, great early leaders of the church, split up over this issue of Paul and Mark. But years later in this letter, we see that Mark has become a comfort to Paul. Elsewhere, Paul describes Mark as being very useful in the ministry. So despite a great falling out, Paul and Mark have reconciled their relationship, and this is what kingdom friends must do, because ours is the gospel and the ministry of reconciliation. When Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, chose to suffer and die on a Roman cross, it was to reconcile mankind to God, to reconcile us despite our, our deep uh, sin and selfishness with the holy, pure, and sinless God of the universe whom we have rebelled against throughout our lives. And because God deeply loves us despite our insatiable appetite for self and, and sin, He sent Jesus to die as a sacrifice to pay the penalty we each owe God for the sins that we've committed throughout our lives. And, and then God raised Him from the dead. And, and through the cross, God has reconciled us to Him. Healing the most precious relationship that we were made to have, the relationship with our Creator, the relationship which mankind shattered by our sin. Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, right, you and me, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Well, I can tell you a message of reconciliation that is not reflected by a life of reconciliation is an empty and worthless message that nobody wants to hear. So here we have God who reconciles everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and forgiving us and setting us free from conflict with Him and bringing us into His presence forever. And then we must proclaim this reconciliation to the world, but it means we must go and offer and seek that same reconciliation with our kingdom friends when things get rough between us, which happens sometimes, right? We could hope that there would never be a, a rough patch in our kingdom friendships, but we're human beings. It happens, 
right? Sometimes our kingdom friends will fail us or we will fail them. Sometimes friction will create a, a break in our relationships. And it's, it's then that as followers of the great reconciler, we have to go to our kingdom friends, not wait for them to come to us. We have to go to our kingdom friends and offer or ask forgiveness and reconciliation, just as Paul and Mark were ultimately reconciled for God's glory. The third mark is that kingdom friendships cross natural barriers and divisions, and this is by the power of the gospel. The world likes to label us. It likes to slice us and dice us and package us a thousand different ways based on demographic divisions. It wants to separate us into male and female, African-American and Caucasian, rich and poor, American and immigrant, white-collar and blue-collar, young and old, married and single, and the list goes on and on and on. This is how our culture does it. And, we, you know, there's vast fortunes made on, on the selling and the trading of this information and the slicing and dicing of it. It's the foundation of essentially all of our marketing and our advertising as a culture. It is the foundation of politicking in America for the most part, sadly. And it is all built on the assumption that you don't really want to mix with people who are different from you. Well, that might be the way of the world, but the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when we embrace him as Lord and Savior, we become new creations in Christ. We are no longer defined by those earthly labels. We are redefined as children of God. And that should be more powerful than anything that would naturally divide us. Gospel friendship should be like those that Paul has and highlights in this letter himself that seek to cross every natural barrier and separation so that a watching world realizes that there is something radically different and strange about those Christians. See, in these verses, Paul lists three kingdom friends from a Jewish background, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice. Then he lists his beloved Gentile kingdom friends, Tychicus, Onesimus, Epaphras, Luke, and Damas. And this was a time when Jews and Gentiles really hated each other because they were just really strange to each other, right? So the Jews considered the Gentiles to be depraved and immoral and inferior, and the Gentiles found Jews to be weird and really unfun to be around. And in Christ, kingdom friendships bridge divisions like that, where there is no earthly way, but there is a Christly way. These verses are reflecting Paul's personal experience of the glorious truth he wrote about himself in Galatians 3, 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Our kingdom friendships that transcend natural barriers of race and culture and, and everything else dramatically enrich our lives. And they, they testify to the truth of the gospel. When we spend time with our beloved friends who the world says, you can't be friends with them, it's just not going to work. We are testifying to the truth of the gospel. And so we need kingdom friends who don't look or talk exactly like us. And we need kingdom friends across races and nationalities and ages and backgrounds. 
The fourth mark is that kingdom friends comfort us in difficult times. Now, all good friends provide comfort, I get that. But kingdom friends provide the comfort of the gospel, the assurance of God's love, and the soothing balm of God's word. Kingdom friends don't delight or celebrate our hurts, our failures, or our setbacks. They just give comfort. Verse 11 describes the comfort given by Paul's kingdom friends who stuck with him, even though it had to be inconvenient, uncomfortable, and probably even dangerous to be Paul's friend at this point in time. But because Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice were kingdom friends, they gave comfort anyway. And this is exactly what we're supposed to do. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice should not be considered unusually good friends. right? They should not be in the friend hall of fame. They should be seen as kingdom friends doing what kingdom friends do, and we should do likewise as kingdom friends. Fifth, kingdom friends pray for each other's growth. In verse 12, Epaphras is said to be always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Now, I am confident that we have many Christian friends who pray for us when we are sick and, and injured and discouraged, and we are faithful to pray for them, and this is a good thing. But how many of us are praying for our friends to grow and mature in Christ in a good way? Right? How many of us have friends who are praying for our spiritual growth? How many Epaphrases do we have in the congregation? Prayer like this is vital in kingdom friendships because spiritual growth is a work of God. And, and while there are things we should be doing to prepare ourselves to grow, ultimately we can't cause the growth. Only God causes the growth. So, so it's a wonderful thing to pray for others to grow to full maturity and assurance in God's will. And I want us to practice. So we're going to be a little interactive today. Right? I want us to, to practice this so that maybe we can begin to get in the habit of it. So I want to take a minute for everyone to turn to one or two of your neighbors. If you don't have an immediate neighbor, move. Go to one or two of your neighbors. Introduce yourself if you have to. And then pray for each other to stand mature and fully assured in God's will. Begin.
That's so so beautiful. I hate to interrupt. Wonderful. All right, that was awesome, and I appreciate so much the prayers that you have. I pray that, that this will become a habit, right? Pray for those tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, pray for the same people you prayed for just now. The sixth quality that is highlighted, the final one that the, that's highlighted in the passage, is that kingdom friends hold each other accountable to do the work of ministry. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a ministry. Right now, regardless of your age or your health, right? I don't care if you are 6 or 106, you have a ministry, right? You have a calling to make disciples. You have one or more spiritual gifts to put to work in the local church because, as I said earlier, there are no Lone Ranger Christians, you have people in your life whom you influence by your words and your prayers and your actions. So you have a ministry, whether you realize it or not. And I'll repeat what I said earlier, because you know, if you have a ministry, it applies, right? Kingdom work, your ministry is hard. But it's hard work. It's easy to get tired, discouraged, or distracted. And that's where kingdom friends come in and encourage us or poke us if they need to, prod us if they have to, to do the work that God has prepared for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 promises we each have work to do, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what we are doing this weekend, and what you will do this afternoon, is just a, a tiny bit of all that God has prepared for you since eternity. Just for you to do. I mean, what an encouraging thought. The creator of the universe set up things for you to do from time immemorial. But because we get distracted so easily, kingdom friends help us stay on course. So verse 17 adds this. Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. That's it. A simple reminder and admonition to do the work that God prepared. So, so let's take a minute, one last participation thing. It'll be quick. All right, we're going to take a moment. I want each of you to encourage those neighbors. Encourage them because we're tired this morning. It's going to be hot this afternoon. Encourage your neighbors. Turn to your neighbor and tell him or her to fulfill the ministry they've received in the Lord. All right, have you been charged? Hopefully you're charged and charged up. Because that's what kingdom friends do. Wow, those are some long sentences.
Well, there are certainly other marks of kingdom friendship, but these six that are highlighted up on the screen matter a great deal. And if you don't have friendships like these, I would encourage you to seek them out. Because Paul changed the world in part because of the power of these kingdom friendships that encouraged and reconciled and broke down barriers and comforted and prayed and poked him when he needed it the most. So seek out kingdom friendships. Start today. Begin with the people you're working with on your team or the people you're sitting beside today. Begin a kingdom friendship this weekend and then build on it in the weeks and months and years to come. Because friends, we have a job to do So let's go fulfill the ministry we've received in the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, it is a a mind-boggling truth that you, the infinite creator of the universe, who has all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, and all goodness, invite us to be a part of your great plan for this world. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to fulfill the the calling you have placed in each of our lives to minister, to care, to make disciples, to reveal the love of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to, to find or deepen or reinforce these kinds of kingdom friendships that we see Paul write of so often. Because we know they're an important part of being able to really run the race for an entire long life of challenges and stresses and busyness and victories and defeats. So Lord, for all of us here, I pray that you will bind us together in kingdom friendships that help us truly pursue that upward call you have placed in our life. All for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.